Ever wonder if what's happening in your home is happening in other people's homes? Today we're taking a peek inside of Claire Zolke's home. You know, normalizing raising boys helps all of us a lot. Be ready to laugh with us today. Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com. And we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order. Because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I am Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Welcome. We're so glad to have you here. And we would love for you to be sure to support our sponsors. That enables us to bring you the experts that we can each and every week. Thank you so much for being our listeners and enjoy. Want to stay up to date on the latest news and research about boys? Subscribe to Building Boys Bulletin. It's a weekly newsletter that contains inspiration and encouragement, as well as links to and highlights of relevant articles, videos, and podcasts. I comb through the news so you don't have to. Get Building Boys Bulletin delivered directly to your inbox each Monday for $5.99 a month or $60 a year. To subscribe, go to buildingboys.net, enter your email, and click the red check mark. You'll be taken directly to the subscription page. Subscribe today so you don't miss a newsletter. I kind of like to peek in other people's houses. At night, driving, walking by, when the homes are lit within, you can kind of get a glimpse of other people's lives. And I don't think I'm totally alone in this. I know it sounds a bit stalkerish, but that's not it. I think we all kind of want to know if the chaos we are experiencing in our homes is anything like what's going on in other people's houses. And we all want to know if what's going on in our families is normal. And we really want to know if somebody else has figured out any secrets that might help us. And that is a big part of why I love talking to other boy moms. The specifics of our stories may be different, but there's usually enough commonalities that I walk away feeling reassured and seen. So that's what we're going to do today on On Boys. Joining us is boy mom Claire Zolke, an independent writer who is also the creator of Evil Witches Newsletter and a mom of two boys. Welcome, Claire. 
Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. All right. Tell us about your boys, your family, and what Evil Witches newsletter is. Sure. Well, I uh, I have two sons. Um, Paul will be 10 in August, um, and James just turned seven, actually, on Monday. I did not intend to be this way, but I'm really alone in uh, boy land, basically, because I have a brother who... Um, is married to a wonderful man, but they have a gigantic pet rabbit and no plans to have children. And my husband is an not only the child. same. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. No. It gives them more more time to be great uncles, which I appreciate. And um, and my husband is an only child, so I don't have any sisters in law. Oh, and my and my brother in law has a brother also, so I have no sisters, no sisters in law, no nieces. I have a couple of girl cousins, but um, so. Uh, and we even end up getting boy dogs too. So uh, sometimes I get really fed up living in this world, but I realize that I think I also, uh, <laughs> I guess I've made my home in it and, uh, and I come to appreciate it. I hear oh. you. I at least got a female dog to start with, but now we have two dogs to one female dog. So the, the equation is way out of whack again. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I like being the only one in a weird way. I like I like kind of having the mystery, you know, or just sort of like being able to fly away to be with my friends and I don't have to explain myself. Evil Witches began originally as a private Facebook group where I just wanted a place um, where I could kind of complain about my husband and my kids um, with an audience that of people I knew who would just understand it, um, understand the problems, understand the shorthand, understand that if I say I hate my kids, that I, that is how I feel in the moment, but they don't actually question how I feel about them, you know, mm -hmm. or how I raise them. And just never having to kind of do the shorthand of, I feel bad about dot, 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 something that I don't actually feel bad about, or to, you know, have to explain the, the gear switching or the code switching. So then um, just the certain conversations that were being had, uh, some of my friends encouraged me to sort of export it in, in newsletter form. And, and and that's the shorthand version of it. Um, it's irreverent, but also sincere. Um, we sometimes handle reader questions. But again, it comes from this perspective about parent first, uh, not kid first. Again, I think there's a, an understanding that we all are always doing our very best as parents, but we don't have to talk about that. That's not how we think. So let's not express ourselves that way yeah it's like you're you're just writing the thought bubble that's above our heads right all that we carry around all day long you're putting it into words and sending it out and I'm going to guess our readers are probably already in love with you because you said it sometimes you just really don't like your kid on that moment and Jen and I actually have done a podcast entitled something like what to what to do when you don't like your kid or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but, but there's that place of like, we always love them and mm -hmm. sometimes we don't like them very much. So yeah, appreciate the reality right up front. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to my husband last night. Last, so like I said, our seven-year-old just came off his birthday and it was like a huge windup of weeks of countdowns and numerous lists of birthday gifts. And so you know, there's that post-birthday letdown. So he's being a little bit of a turd. And um, last night, I'll spare you the details unless you want the details, but we, we ended up having a punishment type of night. But I was marveling to my husband this morning. I was like, you know, we were in like punishment mode and, you know, no fun mode sort of, but also I was impressed that I wasn't angry. Like I didn't feel like loss of control. I wasn't like 
overly feeling bad about it. It was kind of nice. <laughs> it was kind of nice to just be like straight, just like having a, this is a consequence. It's kind of nice, but it's not, uh, no regrets. You know what I mean? Like just that happens sometimes. Not No one's perfect. That's okay. That's huge. I mean, Janet, you work with families all the time and to get to that point, because <laughs> the reality is our kids are n- no more perfect than we are. They act like turds. They do really <laughs> dumb stuff. And sometimes it's not fun. This night stood out to you because they haven't all been like this, I'm guessing. We started uh, medicating him for ADHD this year, the same kid. So uh, these kinds of evenings used to be much more frequent, I would say. Um, and I don't know if it's the medication or just us getting to know him or him getting older, but it feels like there used to be a lot more of these. Anyway, um, it's like, oh, there's that again. And that's, it's normal to have those kinds of nights, but there's not, I, I feel like there's a, there was a certain amount of desperation or, or wondering that, uh, has thankfully been kind of alleviated a little bit. And so more like, oh, this kid is tired. This is a, a tired kid, you know, and it's end of year and, and not being like, what's wrong with you? What did we do wrong? You know, just bad day. Mm-hmm. And we all get to have bad days. Yes. We do. We do. Especially me. <laughs> Especially parents. I'm curious to you because you've got two boys, 10 and seven, and they're right in that stage where they're. I mean, do they always get along? Is it always peaceful and rosy? Or do we have some some uh, friction happening between the two? So this is probably not very witchy of me to say, but I feel thankful every day about my, my kids' relationship with each other. And and it's, of course, it's not rosy all the time, but that would be ridiculous to, to assume. I, I have a brother who is two years younger than me, and um, we had a really rough in our relationship that lasted a long time where his presence just made me mad. And I think maybe part of it is that I was a sister and he was a brother. And I think there's something to be said for when you are kind of living in a certain reality and a boy comes along and he has a different energy. Um, So it helps that these two kids share a lot of interests, right? Um, I also have a lot of empathy for the older sibling being being the older myself. So when my, when Paul was born and he's very, I feel like stereotypical firstborn, like the weight of the world is on his shoulders, you know, like heavy is the head. He kind of goes through everything that we do. But I sort of said, like, I kind of showed him how to engage his brother without having to turn everything over to him, sort of like, here's how you can share a little bit, but without it being unfair. And I try to just make him feel very heard. Uh, James, the younger one, can really suck the air out of the He's He's just got a lot of energy. He's the younger one. He's just like, he goes hard. Uh, he's got big emotions. And um, so I think it just helps Paul to know that I, I see him. I see his his struggles, sort of. But they love each other. Like, they play together. Anytime they play together, I feel very, there's a certain sense of like, oh, my God, I can't believe that worked out. Thank God. <laughs> and uh, one piece of good parenting advice I got early on or I read somewhere was like, don't get involved in your kids' fights unless there's like actually like blood, you know, mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way. Like, I, I think I set a tone early on was like, I'm not going to pry a toy out of someone's hand. I'm not doing that. I'm not keeping track of whose is what. So you either figure it out or you're both going to be sorry. And I don't, it's not usually that, it's not that mean, but if it gets to that point, I'm like, you either figure it out or whatever it is you're finding about goes away. And I let them be mad at each other. Like I'll, you know, say, oh, that must stink, you know, or I know how you feel, but I 
I let them work out, work it out and they do work it out. And I'm really, really thankful that they're friends with each other. And, um, you know, they have enough in common. They're different enough. And I think they're buddies. So uh, nice. sorry to blab on that, but it no. is, it's a real gift. One of the things that was challenging for me as a boy mom, and perhaps was for you as well, is because this energy is different, even when they are getting along and playing well together, it can be very noisy, very chaotic, very disruptive to me and my (laughs) peace. And especially at first, I'm better now. I'm like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Is that something that you had to deal with and work through? Yeah. I mean, just even last night, like we were waiting for dinner, waiting. <laughs> it's It was like that nice evening and the whole town decides to go out to dinner to go to the place with the outside seating. So, and you all feel like stupid because you all showed up at the same time, you know. And, <laughs> this is life in the Midwest, Janet. Yeah. We get a nice day and we're all like, yes, please. Yeah. I'm the only one who thought about this, how nice it would be to, you know, sit outside. Everything was backed up and my young James was being a turd and just kind of running around hanging on stuff and just that yeah the question of like how much is normal how much do people like will people tolerate versus like when do you say stop touching that or stop dealing with that and I think it's a constant level of battle choosing I mean I have been there I remember it was just a couple years ago we were on vacation um, and we went to dinner and we were exhausted and someone moved tables away from us (laughs) because like our kids were just boisterous and, and not like you know, they're not nightmares. I know those kids whose parents don't even seem to see them. Like they're, we don't let them get away with murder. I'm a former server and I would never let a kid like be, you know, run around or that whole thing. But uh, just to know that, you know, it's just a crappy feeling, even though at the same time, you're like, I probably would move away from us too, if I were (laughs) in that moment, if I only could, I'll go sit with you other people. I don't want to be at this table either at the moment. Yeah. But I, I mean, but I have to say, I've come to really enjoy, like, I remember the first time a friend of mine who has three daughters came over and our kids were really little. And my kid kept crawling up on like a tall Ikea stool, like a, you know, a bar stool. And he would fall off. And I just had gotten that sort of second sense of like, what's a real injury versus a non-injury or a minor injury or whatever. I'm not going to jump up. for it. And I just remember she kept like kind of hovering beneath her kid and my kid in case they maybe fell. And I, I mean, I don't mean to generalize, but just like just getting more comfortable with like that level of of tomfoolery and you can't worry about every single bit of it. So I've appreciated like kind of learning to prioritize and unclenching a little bit with them. I have a group program that so that I talk with parents every month directly and they write me questions. It's called decoding, decoding your boys. Mm. And I'm curious how you would, how you'd respond to this question that a mom wrote to me. She said, why does my son feel the need to correct everyone and argue about absolutely everything? Boy moms, you got some insights for her. I'm like, has she met my oldest son? (laughs) You have one of those, Jen? Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Do you have one of those, Claire? I do, but it doesn't, it's kind of funny because it only bothers my husband. And I, so, and I think it's because that, that part, he, he sees that in himself, like that, there's that part. It's like that mansplaining, it's early mansplaining and 
like most forms of mansplaining, there's no good time to deploy it. Nobody appreciates it, but apparently it has to be said. For my, it's helpful for me, not as a single parent, to have this other parent to absorb all the, uh, to take it more personally so I don't have to. But nice. it, it's just that form of like differentiating, right? Like your kid has to, it's just like that early puberty we're not all on the same page. I'm a rebel. It's like a, it's a very easy, comfortable way of like growing apart from your parent. It's certainly annoying, but like, I mean, that's how I see it anyway. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said there because I think for a lot of us moms, especially, and you and I have talked about this privately as moms of boys in 2022, in the 21st century period, we are so hypersensitive to, we want to raise good men. We don't want to raise the men who abuse other people, who harass other people. We don't want to raise the mansplainers of the world who are like, well, you know, it's everything a woman says. And so it can be, you know, when my kid starts doing this, especially if this kid's seven or 10, whatever age he is, you were like, ah, future mansplainer. I need to nip this in the bud. And I I think your perspective is really helpful. Like some of this is just developmentally appropriate. They are learning who they are as they learn more facts, especially some of our kids. They just want to make sure, like, do you know this? Do you know this? Do you know this? Um, And they are so quick to call you out if you don't have it right. And they, I don't know, Janet, like these kids tend to have these really specific formed areas of expertise and they mm-hmm. find ways to insert it in every conversation <laughs> yeah and, and so justice. I think that's some Truth of it justice in the American way like yeah my my son uh and that's how I ended up explaining abortion to him for the first time was because he was like going off about how bad humans are to animals which is I don't disagree with but he was just being so sanctimonious about how animals I can't, I don't remember my train of thought, but the reason I introduced abortion was almost because I was so sick of him being like, <laughs> sorry, this is going so crazy. Like the way, how I explained abortion to him, like out of spite, cause I was annoyed with him. But like, that is, uh, again, just being very one track mind, black and white, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is how kids, kids, you know, and it's not their fault. They think that way they were, they were raised to believe like things are. So I think as they discover those forms of nuance, they try to like, they like to try them out on us. Right. Yes. Young kids, you know, they're very concrete thinkers. Things are black or white. And as they get older, they can start thinking in more abstract terms. They can appreciate more nuance that, you know, it depends on circumstances. And there are a lot of circumstances. These things take a long time for our kids to learn. It takes a long time for a lot of us adults to learn. And there's certainly a place for us to say, okay, hey, we need to stop talking about this right now or to point out when somebody's hijacking a situation, but this all takes time. This is complicated. It can be frustrating for us as parents, but it's just part of the process of our kids growing and us helping them navigate the world. And yes, sometimes it just gets on our nerves. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and then, and, and sometimes too, and I don't know if this is the, the, the case of the child in question for the person who wrote in, but sometimes kids also vibe off negative energy and I like I have my younger kid he's not always like this but when he's in a bad mood he takes everyone down with him and uh he will do his best to make sure everyone's in a bad mood along with him so some kids like the arguing because they think that's how they that's just how they engage I like cute clothes I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping 
armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. I want to touch on school stuff, Claire. You and I have talked about this before. I think everybody listening has probably gotten a call or a Mm -hmm. phone call or an email from school. You know, your son, blah, blah, blah. And it seems like it happens so often, even if you have a relatively good kid. So this, like, when do I do something? What do I do? What do I say? What's your experience been with these calls and emails? It has been a wild year and wild couple of years. Like, because uh, one child uh, has elicited very little uh, communications like that from school. Our younger one, not so much. And Jen, yeah, Jenny has been so kind with her time because I've sort of been like reaching out from the darkness sometimes being like, what am I doing? Because we, I have a very close relationship with my kids' school and their principal and their teachers. And, and I go the extra mile on purpose to demonstrate that I'm their ally and their partner. So when your child demonstrates not those values, it, I, t- I had a really hard time taking it, not taking it personally and not sort of deep down thinking like these people think that I'm teaching my kid that this is okay. Or I am, and I'm talking about like school disruption, not to the extent where there is like violence, but getting up and walking out of the class or saying I'm bored or running away from the teacher or uh, getting out of the class and trading Pokemon cards in the bathroom, things like this that are not great, not but not throwing furniture or scissors, which I've heard of and having in other classes. So I, I feel so lucky to have the opportunity to like work with the kids, our kids' teacher and principal, because I know that's not the case with everyone around the country. And like I said, we ended up going down this medication path, which really changed the game for us. But it's just so hard. Like when a kid comes home from the day at school and you got a call or an email from the teacher teacher letting you know that your kid was so disruptive or whatever that the teacher had to take time out of their day to contact you and then you're completely disrupted and your flow of whatever it is you're doing mad at them vaguely mad at the school even though it's probably not their fault at all mad at your kid mad at yourself from creating that kid then trying to get back on track and then the kid comes home from school and you feel like you're compelled to say something to them, even though it's all out of their head and nothing you say that night yes. would be great. And now you just have like a tired, 
crabby night to get through and you start the next day with like a sort of defeated hope. Anyway, it's a really exhausting loop to be on and hard to be on if you were like an achieving good girl like I was. I'm so thankful for my network of other moms who I know I'm not the only one who goes. I have a girlfriend who will send me a text of a, an email or a call that she got. Her kid's teacher and it just makes me feel better. I never judge her. I just say, been there. I know what you feel mm -hmm. and thank God for that. Thank God for people like, like you guys, you know, talking to other boy moms so that you know it's not like because you did something wrong you didn't show up one day and now your kid is somebody else's problem it's so helpful when other moms say guess what i'm getting these calls from school too would you believe hey listen to this email i just got those yeah. things keep me sane oh and also it's such good medicine to to talk about it with another mom because for some reason the journey of it going out of your brain and like into your brain and out of your mouth makes it funny. Something about it just makes it, makes you laugh at a certain point. I mean, not all the time. Sometimes you can't, it's hard to find the laugh, but like <laughs> my friend was telling me that her son, her seven-year-old, I guess said, oh shit to the teacher. And, <laughs> and I knew she was mortified, obviously, but I know this kid and I know her and just imagining him saying that in his cute little voice and knowing <laughs> that, that like the teacher was probably laughing too. Like you just need to kind of put those pieces together to, to like function as a human and get some perspective and like being able to laugh about it is so important. And this is so much why we talk about it on the podcast all the time. Like we need each other. We've got to get out of this isolation and be able to talk about, you know, the crazy, ridiculous things that our kids did and be able to, to laugh. Sometimes it's laugh if we didn't laugh, we'd cry. So there's sometimes that too. it's both, both. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it normalizes it. And we don't love that our boys are getting, you know, calls home from school and emails home from school because probably I would say more boy moms get those emails than girl moms. And I don't love that. I'm a former teacher. I don't love that, but that's the reality. And we've got a long ways to go to change that. So meanwhile, how can we cope and how can we support each other? Well, can I ask both of you a question? I don't know if that's allowed or not, but sure. I, yeah. I know that you, you guys have a few more years under your belt than I do. And my son, Paul, is finishing fourth grade um, and he's a young, he's young for his class. And he uh that like puberty hasn't really swept in yet a little bit here and there but like he's the kind of kid who was still excited to bring they could bring in their stuffed animals to school today for some reason and he was excited about that and like you know he still has a lot of love for little kid things um i mean not exclusively but i guess i just wondered if there's anything a mom about the kid my age could do to prepare herself or her kid reasonably for sort of the next couple of years of middle school and those dramas or you just sort of keep doing what you do and love your kid and show up and you know is there anything you can do to lay that groundwork i guess the groundwork for what for the for the drama of middle school i guess of end of, <laughs> of like the kids really leaving like little kid dumb behind like that those first mm -hmm. couple of years of that all right i have three thoughts and one is really self-serving but i have to say it read my book absolutely <laughs> jen yeah i was gonna say that Read Jen's book. Claire, I know you have actually, yes. you know, the, the first time mom's guide to raising boys is focused on that age group, that eight to 12 age group. And so if, if you as a parent don't already have 
some knowledge or a pretty good understanding of like, what are some of the changes of puberty and how do they hit? And what are some of the issues that are coming up now in, in middle school? It's a good reminder because to have an idea of what's ahead, I mean, they called it anticipatory guidance when our kids were little and we were going to well child checks, you know, this is what's coming, be aware. So that's number one. Number two, and I didn't come to this realization until after my kids were going through this. It's so important for us as parents to deal with and unpack some of our ideas and expectations about puberty, about middle school drama, uh, about healing some of this stuff. I don't know about you, Claire. I still have trauma left over from seventh grade. That's my shit to deal with and to try to not to project onto my kids' interactions. And then my third point, and I'm real eager to hear what you have to say, Janet, my third point really is what you said. You just keep doing what you're doing. And every day you, you show up and some days are better than others. And you try your best to respond to this kid in front of you who can be so different day to day. Some days he's the little kid. Some days he's the big kid. Some days in the morning, he's the big kid. And then in the afternoon, he's the little kid. And mm. You don't know that until you treated him like a big kid. And then there's a five-year-old meltdown. <laughs> Jen, we are so, we are so much alike. I was going to say the the point, your second point is absolutely about separating out your own. Well, for me, it was junior high because that was a long time ago, but your own middle school experiences. And as moms, you know, we are likely all have a, social story where things did not go well and recognizing that our boys are going to have that too, but on a different level. And they likely get over things a lot faster than mm -hmm. we did as girls. Yeah. And so recognizing like you can't like to stay off of the the train of like, oh my gosh, this kid said that about my son. And he said, you know, we've got we have to just take a deep breath and let some time pass because likely for many boys, they were best friends one day, next day they're not. And then next day they are. And your head mm -hmm. is spinning because you're still back on, wait a minute. I thought that happened. So really just taking a deep breath and knowing that probably by the next day it's going to change. And, uh, and to what Jen said, you know, just being there for your boy. I always picture this age around um, fourth and fifth grade, especially fifth grade is that 10, 11, they have their one foot in childhood and one foot in, what is it to be a man? Who am I? What do I think? Back to our conversation about mm -hmm. black and white and nuances. And if I say, if I say, oh shit to my teacher, what happens? Hey, I'm going to find <laughs> out. So recognizing that one foot in each place and embracing those moments when he's got his foot back in childhood and he wants to take his stuffy or he wants to crawl on your lap. Oh man, just drink those in, drink those yeah. in. Yeah. Well, it's nice. Cause I'm, I'm enjoying, 
I'm like, oh, I like this kid, you know, which is a nice place to be. And I know you don't feel that every day, but I, I'm like, I, he had a, he was homesick last week for several days. And I was like, this is a new feeling of, um, I got to get work done, but we're like having too much fun kind of shooting the shit a little bit, you know, and yeah. I've never really been there before. Although I thought you guys might like, you might appreciate this. I don't know how I ended up buying this. I guess I thought, you know how sometimes you see a book and you're like, if we just read this book, we'll know everything. Um, <laughs> There's a book called Growing Up Great, like a kid's guide to puberty for boys. And I bought it and I showed it to my son and I was like, I'm going to read it and I'll give it to you. And I said, can I look at it? And he said, yes. And I know there's a little set of like illustrated drawings of penises at different, you know, stages of puberty. Anyway, he had the book for about 10 minutes and he came back in the room and gave it to me. And he said, I never want to see this again. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure he saw those drawings. But anyway, I got to figure out how to like sneak it back, back his way. But um, yeah, you just leave it, leave it in the bathroom. That's always Jen's advice. Leave it in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll look at it again. And this is really is the time to really be having those conversations, even though he doesn't want to listen Mm-hmm. You you want to be that go to person for him. So bravo, get in the books. And there's yeah. a, what I did that with the body image book. We recently had Charlotte Mackey on talking about body image for boys, and it's a fantastic book. And I read it, and so I put it up in the the boys' bathroom. Now, yes, my boys are a little on the old side for this book, but there are anecdotes in there from teenage guys and young adult males. And my boys are so sick of me at this point in their lives. <laughs> Adam, who's 19, he comes out of the bathroom. Hold, he's like, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, we interviewed her for the podcast. I read it. I just thought you guys might want to look at it. That's funny. I am just so obsessed with like m- with moms of older boys. And we, we ended up getting our boys' favorite hi- uh, babysitters who are twin boys, actually, who are about to graduate from high school. And I, whenever they come babysit our boys, it's so fascinating to watch and the way they lo- vibe off each other and love each other. And, and it's a, the house is a disaster, of course. Like, make no mistake. Like, they're nothing compared to, like the 12 year old girl babysitter who comes and like arranges the throw pillows. But um, <laughs> I, it's just really, and there's something really uh, gratifying to talk to a, t- a teenage boy who is nice, like not just nice to me, but nice to my kids. And, and mm-hmm. like, it's, it's nice. To, I know it sounds so like my stakes are so low that I like, they're not my stakes. My expectations are so low, but I'm like, look at you being kind and, and speaking to me and making, maintaining eye contact. Good for you. You know, that's so valuable when we get that opportunity. And let's underscore that here, you know, to have our boys have opportunities to interact with other males of all ages, the younger ones, because it gives them that opportunity to show compassion and caregiving, like you said, with your older son and his brother, and for our young boys to have access to and spend time with teen boys, because I know for myself, I had this stereotype in my head when my boys were little, right? Like the teen boys were like, I don't want them around my boys. I don't want them exposing them to bad things. And it's kind of dumb, but also very prevalent in our society. And I remember this one moment at the time we were living next to our long-term neighbors and their son was like 12, 13, 14 in that age group. And he's in the yard and he's talking to and hanging out with my younger boys And I called his mom and I'm like, this is so wonderful that my kids get this chance to interact with your son. And it was showing me another side of teenage boys that I wasn't aware Mm -hmm. of. And so they're all learning from each other. And if we can facilitate those interactions, I think it's, it's good all around. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel really lucky. And I, I'm, I want to put this advice out there for any parents who might need it. It's very specialized kind of advice. But um, Paul's doing baseball. We enjoy baseball as a sport. We're not baseball crazy people, but we wanted him to have a team sport to work on. And um, but it's kind of shy about competition. Um, and last year was difficult because it was his first year and he had confidence issues. And, you know, you have you struggle between like wanting to have your kid kind of push ahead and try and struggle with something versus like, I don't want to torture him and making him do something he hates. But anyway, um, my friend who has a son and, and knows Paul, she recommended uh, a friend of hers who has a son who. Uh, he's now he's in eighth grade. He's black. He was uh, adopted from Haiti originally, and he's a baseball phenom. And um, my friend said, I think this kid might be willing to coach Paul if if he's interested. And so, yeah. So once a week he gets together with my son and, and coaches him for, for an hour. And, you know, just, they just run drills and something like, uh, you know, super um, sophisticated, but I love that. A, I think kids learning from other kids like is completely different from learning from grown up parent coaches. Mm-hmm. Like, it, definitely, it, he, yeah. He shows them how to have swagger, you know, which a parent can't do. <laughs> like, and uh, you're cool, but you you're never gonna have eighth grade boy swagger. No, and I love the relationship, and he gives my son this form of confidence that no amount of coaching that we could provide from some other kind of camp or even us, you know, he could spend hours in the batting cage and just having this boost of confidence and this one-on-one time with this older boy is, uh, it makes me, I'm so thankful that that worked out. So if you have a kid who is sort of on the fence about sports and is not perhaps super confident, having him coached by someone a little bit older, like is, I think is like reaps a lot of benefits. Well, and it works both ways because that older boy is experiencing some confidence development also and capability uh, Mm -hmm. development. So I, this leads me to another question for you. So I'm imagining last year as your boy was struggling with this new sport, there might've been a little negative self-talk. I'm stupid. I can't do this. I hate myself. All the things. How do you handle that with your boys? Well, it's uh, it's different when it if it's like a temporary thing versus like a more internal thing, right? And like with the older one, if he like had a bad game or he was the worst one on the team, it was sort of easier to say like this is temporary or like I know this stinks or I know the feeling and like let's move on with a distraction, like let's go out for ice cream or whatever. And uh, that one is just a really tough nut to crack because when a kid is convinced they don't like something and you're like, you're having a bad time, again, as a grown up, they're never going to listen to you. Be like, good point, mom. I just need to like wait a year. Like, a kid will <laughs> never say that. Um, but what was harder was with his younger brother, who, by the way, is like super into sports and super confident. And if anything, he needs coaching the other way to like become a little more humble. But, um, when he was going through his behavior stuff, he was having a lot of neg, a lot of negative talk. Of, I'm just a bad boy, and I'm, you know, just this is how I am, you know, and uh, and that was what was that was really hard because it was just like the self perpetuating behavior where bad boys do bad things and get treated like bad boys, and you know, we would say. It just, yeah, it breaks your heart because you're like, you know, a kid is never going to be like, listen to his mom, be like, no, you're the best. Like, you know, they know, mm-hmm. they know that you have to say that. One thing that I would say, we read the, um, you know, Diary of a Wimpy Kid books 
And yeah. um, and I don't know why my son thought that this was like, I think he was doing negative self-talk. And I said, no, you're a super awesome, you're an awesome friendly kid, which is, uh, you know, Greg Halfley's, uh, his best friend. And, and that I think surprised him to think of himself as an awesome friendly kid. So anyway, I, I it's so weird to like to say like the answer was medication because that's not that sounds like that should not be the you know the way but it it helped him. I always told him I was like this will help you be, be it will make it be easier for to be in school. And once it was easier for him to be in school, I think he was able to start be believing that he was this awesome friendly kid and he could kind of that part of him could come forward so i guess my answer is medicate your kid or have a kid who is easily distracted by ice cream those are my two those are the two solutions to be fair i use both of those (laughs) to manage my own negative self-talk yeah those are not bad that's not bad advice and i really appreciate you saying medication because you know what there are times when yes distraction works and there are times when there is an underlying issue whether that issue is ADHD anxiety depression there's all kinds of things and so like sometimes I don't want to say it has nothing to do with our parenting but it kind of really has nothing to do with our parenting and sometimes we, not just our kids, we as the adults too, we need external help. We need assistance. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's reassuring to hear somebody else say that, yes, this was part of the solution for our family. Yeah, it was amazing, honestly. And it's funny because Jenny was there. I posted about my kid in her Facebook group before we ultimately tried medication. And so many people were like, sounds like ADHD. And I was like, how dare you? Like, you don't know my kid. And the fact was like, they were all right, even though they didn't know my kid. And I, I'll think about this another day, but I was like, I wonder why I was so um, turned off and offended by that, by that suggestion. But, you know, I guess, cause there's certain shorthand and it depends on maybe your age too, um, of, uh, people of a certain generation and me included doing a better job of understanding ADHD versus seeing it as like a label you slap on a kid who like won't settle down, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, it might be either or, you know, both. And I mean, and the other thing too, is like, I, I mean, I don't hammer this home with my kids a lot, but I have depression and everybody, you know, has depression. And so sometimes too, I'm just like, it's normal to feel like shit about yourself sometimes like it's not saying like it's accurate but some you know you don't want to bs a kid and make them feel bad for feeling bad and say you know only normal people feel good every day you know that's not that's Mm -hmm. not accurate it's a really good point and i think Mm -hmm. that that's missing janet that's something i know we've talked about with like katie mcpherson as well like our kids and us as adults and the grown-ups we need to know that like yeah shit happens and some days are good and some days are not good And that is normal variation of life. And when it's more days than not, let's reach out for some help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My kids school, I'm really thankful. They go to a Catholic school, but they are very um, progressive and they have a great school counselor. um, And she was actually the one who convinced me to go on medication. Um, We, I mean, this is, we'd gone through a lot of different other backs and forth, but she kind of pulled me aside and she said, you know, these, these go through a, a kid's body really quickly. And it's not like, um, 
an antidepressant where you have to build up to it, you know, or, or, or take things really slowly. And just hearing that, I don't know why that was one of the final kind of things that pushed me over the edge, but it, it's very hard to, to identify. Well, you don't want to diagnose a kid incorrectly, but it, that was a helpful thing for her to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm really thankful that she's there for my kids, you know, and that they can talk to her. I hope our listeners are hearing how much this is all a process you know, Claire, it took you time to figure out what's going on with your kid and what you're going to do about it. It took you time to get comfortable with the chaos and took you time to get to the point where you were last night where, yep, this is sort of a shitty punishment night, but it's not terrible and we're going to get through it. None of this is easy. Um, what do you have for our boy moms in particular who are listening who maybe feel like they are alone in boyland. What words do you have for them? I think you have to find, I don't know how you do it, but you have to find your friends, your friends, not your kids' friends, but maybe you go to the playground and you look around for another mom with boys and you you can tell there's a look, there's a corner of the eye, look, eye raise, eyebrow raise, eye roll, smile. And you can, and maybe you find them online too, but uh, someone again, who takes it really seriously, but can laugh about it. And uh, you, but you need your, you need your escape from that. And I, you know, I get turned off by sort of the um, illustration of like the dirty gym shoes next to the high heels and I'm the girl, you know, but uh, to just, Men and boys need a different kind of attention, I think, than a lot of women do. And you need to be able to switch out of that gear of um, doling out the male, you know, the attention to the boys or attention to your husband. And so I hope that everyone out there who is a boy mom has a friend that you can send screen grabs from your school's principal and say, what WTF or, you know, or just say just that you can be your worst mom in front of and they'll say yep I get it you know been there or they can be their worst self in front of you and you say glad it wasn't me today yeah so I hope um finding a friend is so key and I hope everyone can find someone out there and if you need help finding one let me know I'll try to hook you up with someone sweet tell us about your your newsletter and where people can find your newsletter because I find for me it is a great place to tap into that irreverence and that perspective Oh, thank you. Well, it's it's called Evil Witches. It's on Substack. So just Google, I would say Evil Witches Substack. And we, I try to cover why, you know, like the gamut of parenthood, like sometimes it's about how do I find resources for my autistic kid? Or what is uh, the best thing that you ate recently? Or um, just how do I, like, how do you guys deal with kids stench in their room? Or uh, why do husbands have such a hard time figuring things out sometimes? Like just um, covering just from a variety of, of things that way. And it's, I always try to make it a read that someone can do on the toilet while they're hiding from their kids in one go. I try to make them pretty bite-sized when possible. We're not really about an ideology aside from being, we're more progressive. We're pro-choice, pro, pro-medicine, pro-science but uh, mostly having fun and not taking it seriously. And if you can say, I hate my kids and know that people understand exactly what you mean, like that's that's your tribe. And that's what I'm hoping Evil Witches is. And of course we love our kids, but you don't need me to say that if you're a witch, because you know it already. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your adventures in Boyland today. Everybody keep going. We've got this. Thanks for being here, dear listeners. You know, 
Building Boys Bulletin is one place to access all of the news and articles and information that you need to understand for what's happening with boys. And you can find that at buildingboys.net. That's Jen's newsletter. And our guest, Claire Zolke, her newsletter, Evil Witches, that you can find on Substack, and the link will be in our show notes, is another newsletter that you can access that maybe gives you a little more humor and irreverence because, hey, we all need that. Thanks for listening. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. I am your co-host, Janet Allison, with Jennifer L.W. Fink. Thanks for listening.